can't believe that you haven't seen it love it so much you really gotta stream it let me tell you every line right now i can quote the whole And welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, alongside my lovely co-host, Jane Michaela Hammer. And uh, before we get into the episode, we do want to just, you know, let you know that if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at Movies We Missed. And you can also find us tweet, tweet, tweet away over on the number one Twitter account on the Internet um, in Chicago and mm. other states as well. Um, oh, uh, sorry. Chicago's not a state. I'm a dumb bitch. <laughs> Um, but like states as well as Chicago, but not the rest of Illinois is what I'm trying to say. Um, right. we're, not, others... we're not big in Peoria. No, we're not. But <laughs> we give them a hell over in Geneva, though. And I'll tell you that um, okay. this is uh, Movies You Miss. You can find us on Twitter at MWM chat. Uh, and Jane, uh, mm. speaking of giving them hell, nobody gives them hell like you do. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, been living life. It's a little weird because we're recording on a Saturday and we normally record on Tuesday. <sighs> it is. Yeah, it is strange. The top half of my day has been like kind of like crazy, like just things I feel like trying to get things done earlier than I typically feel like I have to, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's usually not quite a rush, but there's, you know, a reason why we're, you know, changing around our schedule, of course. Of course, of course. And you guys are going to get the same solid, uh, thought-provoking, probing uh, content that you always get. Mm-hmm. So no it need to worry there. You. It doesn't affect you. No, it may be better, about... actually. Yeah, I mean, I think it will well... Be. You know what? I think I oh. think we're consistent and we're always bringing the same sort of vibe. Um, but no we're also always and changing when. and we're not you, stagnant. Of, of course. Of course. Things are getting stale and we won't hear about it. Um, what, do you, what do you have in a drink? A little. Oh, it's a little uh, a Lambrusco. Oh, in a can? I've never seen. It's all that. Yeah, that's all they Lambrusco had. It was at the can. store. Um, but yeah, I love Lambrusco and they didn't have a bottle. So the cans are actually kind of cute because, you know. Yeah, it's just a little glass of wine. For If you guys have never had Lambrusco, it's like a cold, sparkling red wine. I'm pretty sure delicious. it's Italian. It's fucking delicious. I don't know anything about wine, but I like it. <laughs> was it Lambrusco was the name? What made you think it was Italian? What clued you in? It was the it was the name Lambrusco sounds very Italian. Cool. Um, yeah. You you know what? Don't shame me. I just asked. I didn't know Not what it was. Me. Bitch. Oh, you know God. why you you know why you're on your on your high horse? It's because Here we go. you you watch those this YouTube I, videos of that sommelier telling you about wine, so you feel like you oh, know things yeah. now. No, yeah. I do. I've learned a lot. Call me Little Red, you know, for all the Sondheim heads out there, because I know things. Um, <laughs> That's a that's a little red Riding Hood song in Into the Woods. And for all I you. it went so far over my head. I'm glad you. <laughs> there's a couple. There's a couple of you out there. I know some of you were standing so hard for Lloyd Webber. You know, of course, you've, been, yeah. you've been ignoring. You know the legacy, but get into it. Yeah, get, um, get, get your Broadway stuff out of the way now, so we can. Broadway <laughs> baby, working on my 
Oh fuck! I can't remember the lyric. I was too busy trying. Oh, I was looking for. Oh, are you well, hearing that? Broadway family. He doesn't even know. Show. You know what? It's oh. embarrassing. Broadway that you claim to know about Broadway. Andre Houston, and the, Mac. and the actors, and the and the producers, and the writers, and you come up with this dribble. I was trying to look up the sommelier. His name's Andre Houston Mack. Um, and oh, he is really fantastic. He's really fun. And it's like sort of like it, it's for people that aren't that exp- that don't maybe don't have the like a knowledge around wine or it just all just feels like it feels like a world that it is very impenetrable in a way. There's this opaqueness totally. around it. And like a lot of times with things like that, like with wine and art, like people can make you feel less than because you don't have that knowledge that they have for whatever reason. I mean, and Mm -hmm. so I love these, the demystification of any of those things. And I think that like, you know, wine doesn't have to be this sort of hoity toity snobby thing. You can sort of create your own relationship with it, which is very similar to art. I mean, I feel the all things that are sort of like currently and historically gate kept, you know what I mean? By certain kinds of people that want to make you feel stupid for not knowing when you just like, there are so many things so many people don't know about. And, you know, to, to have someone like, um, I'm sorry, what is his name again? Andre Houston Mack. Andre Houston Mack make these like really um, approachable YouTube videos about wine that are like, you know what? This isn't a totally confusing world. Let me help you walk through this. And I'm not going to make you feel dumb for not knowing it. I really I, I I make fun of you for watching, you know, for watching those videos. But of course, I have watched a lot of them with you. And he's also just like an engaging and interesting person. He is. He's really cool. Very chill demeanor. They're great to just mm-hmm. sort of like put on and learn a little bit. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's the same thing with art where like, you know, I, I feel like for a long time with art, it was like, you know, you go to the museum and you feel some sort of like sweaty palm pressure to like know certain things and you don't really feel like comfortable, like taking sort of an ownership of like what it is that you love or what you're drawn to. And I mean, I love like the space to do that kind of the the space, giving yourself the space to just sort of like go in, explore and figure out what you like, because it's like when you free yourself up, you know, or when you like let go of you know, the fear of being wrong about things. And you sort of realize that it's like so much of it. And, you know, Jane and I have a friend who specializes in like, you know, art and like antiques and things like that are from Patrick. And, you know, he always says like, go with what you like, go with what you love. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Don't get caught up in any of that. Do I, do I reach out to him constantly whenever I'm getting ready to buy something just to (laughs) find out what's going on? You better believe I do because he will let me know real quick. No, 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 no. That's too much money, (laughs) baby, for what that is. And I always appreciate him. Reached out to him earlier this week, actually. uh, And he saved me from uh, getting caught up. So I, uh, I love him for, for so many reasons, but that's one of the reasons. So yeah, I feel like Andre Houston Mack does something like really cool. And I feel like, as I was saying about Patrick earlier, like anybody who can like, I think people that, that help and that have that kind of knowledge that are like letting people know, like that there's space for you and like, you can figure it out. That's how I figured out that I love impressionism, which was like, you know, going around the museum and looking at different art forms. And I was like, that was one that spoke to me. And like, I felt like weird about like even like, you know, because you feel like you're get you're trying to have some sort of ownership, but it really just is like it's supposed to be, you know, fun. So it's like I feel right. like and there's so many people who make it unfun because yes. they they are like, this is my opinion, and that is like a superior opinion because of everything that I know and everything that I've experienced and like within the art world or within the wine world or whatever. And it's like 
you know, tastes vary, of course. Mm -hmm. And there are things that are decidedly good and decidedly bad, of course, as well. Like, but when it comes to like choosing what you like, that has nothing to do with anything. We all have also, we all have areas of expertise that like there is still room for like a certain amount of space for people to have their opinions. I obviously, I have a background in like theater and performance. And so like I have Mm -hmm. opinions and they may, you know, be born from like my knowledge, but like a person who's never seen a play before going in and being like, I like that person and me maybe not liking them. Like their opinion isn't any less valid than mine. My opinion may have a different foundation than theirs does, but ultimately Mm -hmm. it comes down to if did that performance evoke something, you know, within you, does that performance resonate with you? Is there something that you recognize in this character and this actor that like speaks to you? Then it's, then it's a success, you know, in, in that I, regard. Totally. And that's why, like, I feel like we're in this interesting spot revisiting all of these movies and some of them are, you know, quote, good or quote bad but there are things that like you and I like about each movie that some people may not like or that now that we're looking at it now we're viewing things differently and you know reviewing what critics said about something in 1993 and realizing hey your lens is actually pretty racist or sexist or whatever and like just because you say something is bad doesn't mean that you know a certain you know community who this is made for or made by thinks the same thing that you do you are not the authority on this so i think it's an interesting conversation about critics and like you know creating your own like um standard of of what you enjoy as opposed to letting outside like um people tell you what is quote good and what is quote bad dave and i were actually having this conversation recently we were talking about music we were of course shocker talking about renaissance um but but we were talking about i think pitchfork gave it like 9.2 and pitchfork had given i think self-titled like 9.3 and and lemonade like 8.8 I want to say or something like that and we were like huh and we were having this whole conversation because it was like but then they have a like a ranking like albums of like a decade and like they're ranked in a certain way that does not necessarily reflect those ratings that they were given by Pitchfork they take into account the scope the impact on the culture like all of these factors but we were just saying like yeah but you're just another person with an opinion and granted your your opinion maybe the foundation of your opinion is different and like you can pull out samples and And you may be able to speak to like musicality in a very particular kind of way and like the breadth of like production and like writing credits and things like that, because that's how deep your knowledge goes. But like ultimately, what does it evoke? You know, and so. Right. Just because, you know, if you just because, you know, a ton about a certain subject doesn't mean that other people aren't going to enjoy something you don't enjoy. That's just no, it, it means that you may have, you may have a level of context and you may able, you may be able to explore it like in a historic standpoint, like, and, and it's influences and it's references in a very particular kind of way, which mm-hmm. is valuable, you know, but it's also like, it's still subjective. And I mean, right now more than ever, because when we were growing up and like, bef- I mean, long before we were growing up, I mean, music critics and movie critics had this sort of like cachet because like totally. they got things early. So they got to watch the movies early and they got to listen mm-hmm. to the albums early. And like now they get the music at the same time we do. So it's like, I actually make it a personal point with an artist. Like, 
typically with an artist that I love and don't get me wrong, because sometimes I'll, I'll if I stumble upon something like if I'm stumbling around, a, you know, a website where they have like reviews and things like that, I may sort of like be pulled into like something or I may see like a outstanding rating for an album that I normally wouldn't have listened to and be like, oh, let me go give that a little bit of a listen. Like that happens. But like if it's an artist that I know and I have a relationship with in my mind um, <laughs> I have, or, or I have a relationship with their work, like if there's an right. artist like that, then typically like. I'm going to listen to the album. I have, I have artists like that, that it's like, I'm going to listen to this whole album. I'm going to listen to it five to 10 times. And then maybe I'll take a look at what like the world is saying about it, but I'm going to form my own opinion and get my own foundation. So then when other people, when I read other people's opinions, I can value their perspective, but also I can know, like I can sit firmly in my beliefs and I can be like, yeah, that's cool that you felt that way. But like, I don't agree. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I look into the background of the person who wrote the review, because that's very Mm -hmm. important to understand like where they're coming from and what they're bringing to it. It just is like, and if you're talking about like a work or a review or an artist, you know, and I come from a certain set of like lived experiences as like a black queer male, like mm-hmm. all of that, like is a part of my identity. So like, I'm going to hear things. And if I go and I listen to someone talk about how they didn't understand X, Y, and Z and the artist I know is creating music from us from a particular viewpoint and i'm going to be like oh well you're not queer so you probably didn't get that or you didn't get that oh yeah. your or whiteness may prevent you, you. from understanding yeah. or it doesn't or it doesn't like permeate your soul because you didn't grow up in like an environment where like these things were celebrated so like that's going to require a particular kind of labor maybe from you mm-hmm. not necessarily but maybe from you to understand it and That's your journey, but at least it helps me gain insight. And sometimes it's a person who has a very similar background to me who may feel a certain type of way too. And that's valid. That's valid. And Mm -hmm. everybody's not going to grant everything. But like you said, this podcast is really good because sometimes I find myself asking the question, why did I pick this movie? And like, and then a lot of times I'll put on a movie and I'll be like, Oh, I remember why I picked this movie. Or like, sometimes you put on and you're like, Oh, I don't remember how wild this one was. So it just depends. It just depends. It totally depends. I also am like, I, I don't, I don't know why, but I like, I don't think there's zero value in, in critiquing things, but I don't read reviews for things anymore. Like I feel like I used to, and I never do. I may stumble across something when I'm like scrolling through something else, but I will never seek out like a critique on like an album or a movie. And I, I think it really, (laughs) and this is like no shade to my parents or anything like that. But like, I remember growing up as a kid, I'd be like, Oh, I really want to see that movie. Or, Oh my God, I really loved this album. And mom was like, Oh really? Like it got panned in the paper or, and I'll be like, and it would make me feel a little sad. You know what I mean? And so I feel like, you know, like I have, I feel like when you're a kid, you think what your parents say is like the truth always. And their opinion is like their opinion about things is like the ultimate opinion. Not everyone has that experience with their parents, but I definitely felt like my parents were like my tastemakers. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as I grew up, 
I was realizing like, oh, <laughs> they're not. They're just human people who like like certain things and dislike certain things. And it's OK if I deviate from that. And I think like in my late teens and early 20s, I started to realize that a little bit more. And so that is like, I don't know, maybe that has like steered me away just from critique, like critiques in general, because I felt like I heard that from my parents a lot. You know, I get that. And I feel yeah. like I feel like I almost never look up a critique of an album that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that typically, especially if it's an artist that I really like, I don't like I'm not always aware of the fact that I didn't like something. I think Mm -hmm. my instinct to re-listen to it is a really good indicator for me. Mm -hmm. So like typically if it's an artist that I'm like I like or I'm like, you know, I think favorably of then like I may find myself sort of like putting an album on to get like a listen of the album. Mm -hmm. Oh, they came out with something new. Let me hear it. Um, And then I like don't return to it. And that's always an indicator for me. It's like, oh, I didn't love it, which doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that like it wasn't my favorite. It's been a while since I put on an album and just been like, this is garbage. Like, I do not like this. But a lot yeah, of times what it is more rare than- that like if it's somebody pre- even that I have a previous relationship with that I put on an album and I'm like, whoa, what is this? It's like sometimes I'll do that when someone would be like, recommend something to me and I'll be like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. And then I'll be like, miss the mark on this one just from knowing what I like. But like, yeah, I don't think any of like people that I love have like put out an album that's I would consider to be garbage or I would an album that a close friend, like you said, will recommend to me and mm-hmm. uh, or you or one of my other friends will recommend to me. And mm-hmm. I will and I will listen to it because I respect you and I respect your opinion. Right. But it doesn't do anything for me. But that's Absolutely. not because it's not good. Right. That's just because it didn't speak to me. Like I can listen totally. to it and I can hear like the talent of the artist. I can mm-hmm. find the songwriting interesting. I can find the production compelling. But like for whatever reason, for me, it's something about it doesn't hook me so like it's you know i have that experience with taylor swift like i know how many people love her so much and i i I totally respect her as an artist and i've heard a lot of her music and people like live and die by her and i love that i love that Mm -hmm. she has that i love that they have that from her because i have certainly so many artists that i feel that way about beautiful gowns (laughs) beautiful gowns (laughs) um i'm just gonna say if you know you know Uh, (laughs) but i i can't i I, she just doesn't like I'll I can't she doesn't do it for me you know I've never played a Taylor Swift song in like I've never put on a Taylor Swift song not of my own volition I've been with friends who've been like just put it on and I'm like okay I don't even think I've been around people that have that have done that but I've heard yeah. Taylor Swift song like I, I can hear I hear Taylor Swift song if like I hear another artist perform it on like the voice or something right. or if I'm at the store or something but I've never right. like clicked on like a Taylor Swift yeah. music video totally. I've never like been like huh what's this um so I guess in that regard I I mean the little the little sprinklings that I've heard you know I, I I've never 100% been down ever since that one performance that I saw of her and Stevie Nicks <laughs> Brandon <laughs> we're not trying to shade Taylor Swift. No, I we're not. She's a but no, very, no, 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 very talented person. She's pro- no, she's prolific and she writes all of her own music and she's incredible. Got, uh, like yeah. so many fans and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is that since I saw that Stevie Nicks performance, <laughs> which is years ago, by the way, and I know she's grown so much, she was like a Absolutely. teenager still. And but not I just remember, I was like, and not every incredible artist has a. a every performance is not incredible. So it's for like sure. you have those moments, of course. No, we I have. Don't. Everybody has their. 
you know. Um, yeah. But I just every, remember that every one. podcast episode isn't the best podcast we've ever done. You know, no, no. And if I can, if I can get Jane sober, and then I know that we're it's lightning in a bottle these days. But if I can, then I know that we're gonna. We're gonna have something cute, but yeah, we're not st- we're not in any way tearing down Taylor Swift. We know that she's this um, you know an amazing artist in her own right, and that people love her, and that's great. Everybody, pick your thing that you love. Yeah. Um, but I but like you said, it's not it's not for me, and mm. it's not like oh you don't like that kind of music. It's like I, I do sometimes, and other people do it, but it's just like. <laughs> You know, it's your artist and whatever, and you go on totally. your journey with them. I don't know. I don't. Katy Perry. I, I it doesn't do anything for me either. Gaga I'm, does a little bit for me. Don't come for me, gays. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, some of Gaga's songs I, I hear and I like, and I know like the popular ones. I'm not too familiar mm-hmm. with her like catalog, and people have been like, "Oh my god, you got to hear Joanne," and it's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, I've um, heard Joanne. Yeah, and it's a great, it's a nice song, but it's just it doesn't. Imp- no, I mean like, the album. You know, people are like, "That's oh, like her like." But that's, that's a song too, right? For Joanne, sure. It's a, yes. Yeah. Okay. But the yes, that album, and people are like, and that I and I. No, she's and I know like Gaga. Like I, I've seen Gaga Ga- do live performances, and she's like Gaga incredible. is incredibly talented. Yes, she's a beautiful yes. voice. She yes, yes. writes her songs. Like she is such a talent. Plays a mean and, piano and plays an incredible piano. Uh, and again, I don't really ever think to put her on. I like her at a party, whatever. But she just is like not something. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I, yeah. I never think to like sit. And you know, and maybe if I like if I sat down and I listened to them like through and through, I'm sure. I would be like, oh, my God. Totally. Also, there are moments where I've totally like eaten my words on this, where I'm like, oh, I I just don't really connect to that person. And then like three years later, I'll just like. It catches you at a moment and you're like. like, I'm obsessed with this. So it's all timing. And I love that we have somehow gotten to a can of Lambrusco to us defending ourselves to the gays about why we're not huge Swifties or Gaga. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm fine with both and I'm fine. It's not it's I don't dislike them at all. No, I don't no, dislike no, Katie. No, but I you know. yeah, of course. Neither do I neither do I. I, I wish them all the success. And if they came and if they came on, I would probably just be bobbing my head to the music as well. It's not totally. like you know, there are those artists that you're just like, uh like there's an art, you know, an artist where you're like <laughs> you know, <laughs> an artist where you're like they start playing and you're like, Oh, I don't like this artist, or I don't or a really yeah. personal thing. Especially when we're talking about music, is just mm-hmm. voice. Like oh voice God, is such totally. a voice is such a personal, intimate thing, and it's like mm-hmm. sometimes you just don't like a person's voice, and you it don't know what it is. Way. It's not and that it, it's not good. It's not that it's not you know, there not that there's not range there. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, you and I have had this conversation about Fantasia. You know. Yeah, I I and it, it doesn't sit well with you. It doesn't sit well with you. No, it's fine because I know there are artists who you love whose voices I'm not a huge fan of. So like totally. I, I give you I give you that. Like yes. I'm not and a huge I, and I know how talented Fantasia is. Of course. I know that she can sing circles around fucking anybody. Um and just for some reason her voice just doesn't strike me, you know. But you know one thing that's really specific that I will say that kind of ties into what we're saying when a with mm-hmm. an artists like Fantasia Fantasia for me reminds me of like the singers that I used to listen to when I was a kid the soloists at like my granddad's church Mm -hmm. like like the black women that would get up and they would growl and their voices pierced and there was Mm -hmm. a nasality at time and a Mm -hmm. quote-unquote churchiness to them and it's so specific and it's so like it's so like niche in a way that like right. it's like it's almost more than like the quality of her, of her voice and it's like sense memory it like it transports Absolutely. me so like and that's will, a big part I will of also it say too. there are 
there are women out there who sing like that, who have that background that absolutely cut my fucking heart open that I love. It's just something about Fantasia for sure. For but sure. I totally understand that sort of that. that I'm just saying like, you. it's less about like with her, for me, it's more about emotional connection. And it's less about technicality, mm-hmm. but like, that's a good totally. example of the whole thing where it's like, you can't quite put your finger on it. Sometimes there's an mm-hmm. artist who has the, in the same thing, the opposite when there's an artist who it's like, I don't know what it is. I know that like, Sometimes your voice I, objectively sometimes I, know, sometimes I know exactly what it is sometimes i know exactly what it is too but sometimes i don't sometimes i literally no, I don't know. know yeah i'm no, just like too. i don't love your voice and i don't know what it is it's just right. like I, it's there's, not pleasurable there's something inherently about you that i hate and i can't figure it out or i like the songs and i hear other people sing right. the songs and i'm like this is a great song and somebody's like yeah. oh that's a so-and-so song and then you're like oh uh, i know i like the song i don't love the artist i feel that way also Ugh, it's turning a different kind of episode. I feel is, that way we gotta also, be careful because our audience is like ninety percent gay. But go ahead. No, y'all, we love you, and like we're not coming for we're not coming for face. No, I no. feel that way also about um, Alicia Keys. I yes. don't enjoy Alicia Keys' voice, but I love her songs and I love her production and I love her, her musical ability. And I know that like Alicia Keys has a nice voice. Of for course. some reason, I don't like it, and I don't know why. So this is why. so funny because when I was younger, I fucking loved Alicia Keys. Me too. I was like, she's amazing. And then I, as I got older, I started feeling less and less connected with her voice. And I don't know what it was or what it is, but I hear her songs now and I'm like, this is a really good song, but I prefer covers. It's very yes. strange. And she's I don't a know, great songwriter. She's an incredible songwriter and so talented and like a genius. Cause she was like, I think she was like 16 or like 18. Not us just, we're literally just quote, we're literally just quoting Aretha Franklin at this point. You guys, <laughs> so earlier, earlier, I made the beautiful gowns, the gorgeous gowns comment. That was a clip that was, uh, if you, a lot of you probably already know, but Aretha Franklin, the, the incomparable. 90% of our audience is gay. <laughs> the amazing, uh, you know, incomparable Aretha Franklin. She was doing an interview with, I think, Wendy yeah. Williams, which tells you already that it's going to be messy. Yeah. And Wendy was asking her questions sort of like, rapid fire like what do you think of these people you know and she was sort of going through and I think one, one of them I think I'm probably going to be misquoting but I think Whitney Houston she at that point Whitney Houston already passed and you know she mm-hmm. just said you know incredible talent like beautiful voice and she was sort of going through people and then she got to like Alicia Keys and Aretha Franklin and I I, ca- I clocked that she was like I mean it's hard not to right. she it, was, was, it was glaring she was like she was like amazing songwriter and I was like, I see you. Yes. I see you. Yes. And then she was like, hey, and then, well, she got to Nicki Minaj and she said, uh, I'd rather not comment. And then she got to um, Taylor Swift and she said, beautiful gowns, gorgeous gowns. And I died. It's iconic. I think it's like, it's one of my favorite interviews of all time it is it's uh, on youtube y'all so it's honest it's her honesty her truth. it's honesty and it's um, aretha franklin so she can say whatever the she fuck can say she whatever wants. she wants because she is probably the one of the few people in the world who objectively everybody enjoys like yeah if you don't that'd be like, so weird I that'd know. be so weird that's like when people that's like i remember i had a friend who didn't like the beatles and oh yeah those people exist and you're just like oh you're, so you're you don't not like you don't not like them you're being 
you're well, being you've been like, contrarian. Well, my yeah, thing was what I said was you don't like like what don't you like about them? Oh, I don't like their sound. I said, but that's hard to say about the Beatles because right. every album is different. So like you may not love Revolver or you may not love like Abbey Road, but like mm-hmm. they're all completely different vibes. What so, about like, the White Album? Like you don't like any of it, and he, I remember he said, "I'll never forget it." He was like, "I hope he doesn't listen." He said, "No, I don't think he does." He Dude, said, "We've well, said I, that before," and, and then, then gotten some got some messages. Um, <laughs> and he said, "And he said, I love Octopus's Garden," and I burst out laughing. I was like, "That one? That's your joint? All the songs the Beatles wrote in Octopus's Garden is what does it for you?" And he was like, "Yeah, that's the only one I like." And I was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. All right. (laughs) So um, on that note, um, we are going to move into a movie. I I, I didn't seamlessly transition, which is something that I'm normally good at. You are Um, normally very good at finding. You know, I got it. One I I got it. I got it. You know, go for it. Go for it. You know, speaking of the Beatles and long and winding roads, Mm. what's a more long and winding road than you know, that transition from mm. teen into adult. And absolutely. where else can we see that whole, you know, journey play out more beautifully than in 2003's coming of age drama, mm. How to Deal? So we, so a, a, a lot, I'm sure a, every single one of you have listened to last week's episode, which was the Terminator. And everybody end, did their homework. Everybody did their homework. And you all probably were expecting us to cover the other Mandy Moore classic, A Walk to Remember. And that was in the cards and we wanted to. But what we found out is that someone, I don't know who, I don't know who. Shane West. <laughs> scrubbed it from the internet. So you can't fucking watch it anywhere and so we had to pivot and i said if we're gonna do one mandy movie we're gonna do the other and i wanted to make sure that we honored our girl in some way so we pivoted to the 2003 classic how to deal and at some point at some point whenever that movie comes back online you know i'm gonna make us watch it so i also want to be clear not that i'm like a hardcore like manny moore stan but i will say jane keeps saying that other one like there's not multiple manny moore no manny i know moore but movies. these are the these are the like teenage movies is what i mean like, but don't forget about saved mama don't forget oh, see, about i love that movie don't forget about about the matthew good manny moore uh opus that was chasing liberty don't get oh it my twisted. god! I love that one too. There are so many good Manny. Bo- by the way, both movies I haven't seen before. I just pulled up Manny Moore's IMDb. Um, <laughs> but those actually, I really want to do Chasing Liberty. I think you'll love that one in like the perfect way. In, so in the only girl, way, yeah. Our she girl was, was booked and busy in those early odds. Booked Don't and busy, twisted. and she continues to be. I mean, she absolutely. Is, I mean, we all know this is us, and you know her incredible just pivot to absolutely to, talk to, about like a reinvention like what the, like it is P. it's so crazy that manny Moore like somehow pivoted from like candy and, and you know so, like also is, does she win an emmy by the way no i don't okay. believe so but, but I this also, is us has won emmys yes absolutely okay but i think that it's interesting that like Okay, I'll let you do your synopsis first, and then we'll get into it. Okay, okay, Um, so you said you did you you did it in Greek, right? I, oh, I'm sorry. Why would I 
What? Why? Why would I do it? In Just because you like to flex the fact that you know multiple languages. I thought you said something about it. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, I don't know Greek. <laughs> so, did you do uh, it in wing, wingding? Did you write it out in wingdings? <laughs> I can. After I read it, I can do a quick copy paste, change the font. Oh, that's so true. When I was a kid, I thought still wingdings. <laughs> when I was a kid, I thought wingdings was the coolest fucking shit. By I the remember way, discovering the font wingdings, and I was like, "Oh, this is my shit." <laughs> my mom was like, "No, why? You can't read it." Okay, for those. Okay, if it doesn't still exist, I'm going to tell Gen Z what it is. So wingdings, it was like a font in Microsoft Word that like is. It, it's like a it's like symbols it's not real <laughs> and i don't know like why it existed because you couldn't read it <laughs> unless someone like put in the time to teach themselves wingdings do you think oh someone God. like taught a wingdings class oh absolutely <laughs> oh my god Oh my god. One of these symbols, these symbols, it's a whole ass mailbox in the telephone. I'm done. I love it. I fucking love it. It's my kind of nonsense. All right, Jane, you have the floor. Speaking of nonsense, <clears throat> I shall embark on my synopsis. Have a little bit of that moonshine, girl. It's water. that mason jar. <laughs> Poor Haley Martin of random small town, New Jersey. She's in her last year of high school and everyone is falling in love around her. But she knows something no one else does. Everything will fall apart and they'll all get hurt. Love just isn't worth the pain. As the first person in the universe to ever experience her parents getting divorced, she understands the world in a way that no one else does. Her sister Ashley is getting married. Her best friend Scarlett is falling in love with a guy named Matt. And her dad, a famous local radio DJ, is getting remarried after his failed first attempt. Everyone around Haley is going gaga, but don't worry about her. She'll never fall prey to the L word. Until, of course, Macon Forrester comes around. Macon is Matt's best friend. He's handsome, sarcastic, flirty, and has that fantastic early aughts hair that is slightly long and greased for the gods. He wants Haley, but she's keeping him at an arm's length to make sure she doesn't fall for his charms. Everything suddenly changes when Scarlett's boyfriend, Matt, drops dead on the soccer field due to... <laughs> so sorry. I don't know why that made me burst out laughing. Let me take that again. Wow. Okay, Tara, cut all that. Mm -mm -mm. Leave it. <laughs> I want them to know. <clears throat> Everything suddenly changes when <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I have to giggle. He died. <laughs> Grow up. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> <clears throat> After barely hemming and hawing over what to do, she decides since there's no papa to preach, she's keeping her baby. And then we never see Scarlett again. Just kidding. We see her in the last five minutes of the movie, but homegirl becomes a homebody or something because the writers were done with her until the very end. Macon and Haley are getting closer to sealing the deal. And by the deal, 
I mean S-E-X. They are about to have their genitals meet at a New Year's Eve party, but right before their pants come off, she makes the totally rational move of stopping in the middle and running out of the party into a blistering cold January evening in a tank top. Anything to avoid an adult conversation, am I right? On the drive home, Macon asks Haley to tell him what's going on. She admits to freaking out because she's falling too deeply for him and she's scared of being hurt. But before he can even respond, he swerves the car directly into a tree. Haley wakes up in the hospital with a broken arm, concerned yet disapproving parents, but no Macon to be found. In fact, Macon disappears for a week. No calls, no text, nothing. He finally reappears and tries to pretend like nothing happened, but Haley is done. She breaks it off immediately. Macon tries what I'm sure he would refer to as his best to get back into Haley's good graces. He tries begging her, barely giving an explanation as to why he disappeared and even giving her chocolates. Finally, on the day of her sister's wedding, he barges in on her dad's radio show and makes a public apology and a declaration of love that finally seems to get through to her. But she can't see him just yet. She's got a wedding to stand up in. Scarlett's big reappearance happens on the way to the wedding. She's walking over to Haley's house and on her way, she dramatically goes into labor. Mason spots her and ushers her to his car so he can take her to the hospital. But he's got to make a stop first. He does what every logical person in the throes of a medical emergency would do. He goes to the wedding, interrupts the ceremony to tell Haley that Scarlett is in labor, and they all run off together in the middle of Ashley's wedding to go to the hospital and most likely wait at least 12 hours for the baby to come. Will Haley ever forgive Macon for his disappearing act and give him another shot? Will she continue to be the most annoying, privileged, and self-righteous teenager you've ever seen on film up until the very end? Tune in and find out in 2003's Greatest Treasure, How to Deal. It was a doozy, but you got through it, Mama. I got through it. I got through it. I I also wanted to point out the fact that you you mentioned like Scarlett. You said Scarlett dramatically giving birth. Like, is there another way? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just felt like she went into labor and it was like instantly like most people like, oh, like from what I understand in real life, you start to get pains, labor pains. But they're not quite as like instant as also her, her water didn't break. <clears throat> That, but that doesn't always happen. Oh, okay. Um, sometimes they have to break your water for you, from what I hear. But she was also like walking on the street and all of a sudden was like, oh, God. And oh, was, yeah. She's like in the middle and, of and birth. Like, and then in the car being like. <laughs> and I'm like, if you're at that point, if you're at that point in labor, you need to get straight to the hospital. There's no time to stop, interrupt a wedding and we'll pick up your by. BFF. Just seemed really insane to me. But it was also that scene was so funny as well, because <laughs> part of me kind of felt like, well, one thing I didn't get, this is like one of the last scenes in the movie, BT dubbed. Mm-hmm. But when like Macon, who's like who ends up being Hallie's like boyfriend in the movie or kind of boyfriend, at least um, when when Macon ends up picking up Scarlett, he sees her on the side of the road. And then there's the next scene is like Hallie at her sister's wedding, which is this big event we've been waiting for her sister, Ashley's wedding. Mm-hmm. And Hallie's standing in the wedding as her uh, maid of honor. And then like Macon sort of comes into the chapel. And he's standing at the back, sort of like mouthing to Hallie, who is standing in the wedding to that, you know, that 
her best friend Scarlett is in labor. And I thought mm-hmm. like in my head, oh, he took Scarlett to the hospital first. I thought that too. I thought that. Th- I, and, when and then they, he like went when to they got get- in the car and she was sitting in the back. I was like, what? It was too much. Yes. Well, then I understood like the urgency a little bit more because I was like, just also when he came in, they, the the, pre, the priest was literally saying, I now pronounce you husband and wife. So it was like, just let them walk out. Let like it, walk it, it was it over in the second. It was it was over a second after he came in and interrupted. And I just thought, just gauge the moment. Let them just <laughs> walk out. Her sister was surprisingly calm, considering that she was so like neurotic and uptight the whole movie. I know. But um, then it was like fine with her. Wedding but then was fine with it. And it was like, oh, I guess you've learned your lesson that life doesn't need to be perfect all the time. Because like her sister is such a funny character. She's such a like totally. Kristen Chenoweth style, like uptight. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just it's really funny. Also, it's funny because once again, I love this casting where it's like these two people could not look less alike. I get that they're both of the Caucasian persuasion, but, but like you found two vastly different like <laughs> types of like Caucasian in order to tell this story. Uh, I'm like, are they half sisters? Like, how do what's they, going on? What's going on here? I mean, they're not because they both no. Ashley's given like Swedish. Yeah, it's so and and Manny Moore is also like six feet tall, and so and Ashley's really small. Not that there aren't height discrepancies between siblings, but like they just like do not look related in the. They're slightest. they're given different ethnicities, which yeah. like you know, and it's funny too because like the first scene of the movie. It's like early aughts. So it's like, it's always funny with these movies that aren't like contemporary, I guess, Mm -hmm. necessarily like meaning like, you know, 2020s, 2010s, but like they look like it. They're so closely related because they're like right before that time. But it's like thinking about how, how like how quickly technology sort of moved, Mm -hmm. which is like something I don't feel like I fully like always always unprepared for because it's like things that you expect people to have that they don't have and then you're like it's Mm -hmm. 2003 and then i find myself thinking back to like this particular time period and being in um and being in like high school at this time and i'm like oh yeah i guess we didn't have that just yet yeah Um, or or it wasn't like widely you know it wasn't something that had been widely sort of like distributed through like you know the, the the nation, you know, some people well, had certain things, but some texting, like texting, oh, yeah. was like didn't it was it was big in like Europe and overseas because of like how the phone plans were laid out. Mm-hmm. But people in the states in like the early aughts never texted really. It was we had like it was a calling. limit. It was like a limit on how yeah. much you could text, and then it was also like weird. It was like, and then it was a thing about like times <clears> sometimes, <throat> where it was like you could between these times, it's unlimited. It's like right. if you want to text between 3 a.m. and and, and 4:35 uh, a.m. Go for it, rock out. We're not charging you for that. It's like what about when I'm up? Right. Oh, hold on, hold on. I no, gotta no, talk no, to no, our no, manager. No, no, no. no, no. You gotta pay for that. You gotta pay for that though, kiddo. So um, not really ideal then. <laughs> so not good. Uh, yeah. But like. Yeah, there was like it was the moment towards the beginning where like Hallie's like in her room doing yoga with like a tape and like a book. Like she's listening to like a cassette tape that's giving her yoga poses and she's also following along in like what looks like a yoga textbook. And it's just like, oh my God, like Lord knows when I do yoga, I need all the guidance. So I gotta be looking at that television periodically. So I was just like, wow, thinking about trying to like get into some of these positions with like a book in front of you. Um and I guess as you develop a yoga practice. Yeah. Yeah, as you develop a yoga practice 
practice and you get consistent with it, obviously, like it sort of becomes like internally that like, you know, if you stick to certain, you know, things, then you learn and then you don't need it as much. But it was just a funny moment to think, oh, this was like still happening. The other really funny moment was her mom, who's played by, you know, the incomparable Allison Janney. I did notice that IMD, IMDb shadily, shadily in the trivia. They they put in the trivia under actor trademark Allison Janney. This is one of the numerous movies where Janney plays a neurotic or disturbed mother. And I was like, rude. I know. I saw that. How too, dare you? I was, like, I was like, doesn't that say a lot about what roles were available for Allison Janney? That part where they're like, yeah, girl, she's taking what she's getting. She's got, you know. Well, bills to pay. I mean, obviously, the most iconic one was American Beauty when she played. um, Never seen it. You've never seen American Beauty. Mm -mm. Okay, interesting. Interesting. No, I haven't. I don't know. I don't know why, because that was like a pretty big one. Um, It was like a huge one. No, for sure. One he should not be named except in court documents. um, An Academy Award, I think. Right. Was that his second Oscar? Oh, 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 oh. I, I got. Which doesn't mean we can't. Right. I mean, no. Which doesn't no, mean we can't watch the movie. I because, know. I just forgot it's him, and I'm just like, I see him now, and I, he makes me upset. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to sit and talk about him for sure. But also, we're not gonna let him. Like, you know, like that. That was an incredible movie. Um, allegedly. Um, um, I, I mean, I'm sure I, it was. Annette I really Benning liked is amazing. it at the time. Annette Benning is incredible. I, like, yeah, I mean, I really liked it at the time. I've probably not watched it since, but I would love to see it again. I also legit just said Annette Benning was was incredible in it, <laughs> based on nothing but <laughs> me. Just, but she based is. on she Annette Benning never turning in a less than stellar performance. Exactly, in it's Annette Benning. I think it's like it goes without <laughs> We all know what the tea is. But the scene where um, Connie Ray plays uh, Scarlet, who is Hallie's best friend's mother and Mm -hmm. then Allison Janney plays Lydia who is Hallie's mother and the two mothers are also very good friends Mm -hmm. and there's the scene where like they're both single and like they're trying to get back out there and there's a scene where um, Lydia, Allison Janney's character, is holding like a camcorder, videotaping Marion for her a dating profile, and it was just like, oh, that's how we were doing it. And, I know. Like, I was thinking that too. It's like, and she said, like, oh, I'm I'm recording this video for my online dating profile or something like that, and I was like, oh my god, you had to do that with a camcorder. That's so like. And I guess like, I guess, yeah, you do it with a camcorder and then like send it over to. But also it's interesting because it's like that's that's way more than you would get now on like a dating site. You don't get like a video of a person like talking. No, no, no. We're down to one photo with like three words and that is and it's blurry and snap decisions. Yeah. And it's blurry and it's half the face. Yeah. and you're like, why are the why are the the world why is the World Trade Center behind you? What was the picture taken? <laughs> um, and it's like something's not adding up. <laughs> like, cause you you look a little a little longer than the tooth in this joint. <laughs> this yeah. was a like smooth 20 years ago. Um, but yeah, it's like those moments where you're like, oh, this was like right before. It's not like there were probably other ways to do these things, but like this was probably still like the dominant way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like also, I mean, next year, this movie will be 20 years old, which is like I know, so crazy. crazy to think about. And like I was saying earlier, like Mandy Moore's had such an interesting career because it's like, mm-hmm. I like Mandy Moore was... N- I, I always I think in my mind I I oversell what Mandy Moore's like pop career was like it 
was not prolific. It but was it like was hu- she was huge, but she d- did not like it was like she was huge for a sh- way shorter period of time than I think like Christina, Brittany, those ones that she got per- compared to. Not even close. Like when you look at like I thought Candy was like this smash hit. Candy peaked at number 40 on the Billboard charts. Really? But and it was, I was so like, big. I don't Everyone think that, that's the song. thing, Jane. I don't think that I don't think she was as big as we thought she was. I think we were of a certain but age. Was, but she was all over MTV. She's all over TRL. But you know how they do. Like, they did the same thing with Willa Ford. We thought everybody wanted to be bad. <laughs> what? Okay, can you look up what Willa Ford peaked at? I, I want to uh, be bad. What I want to be bad. Let's see. Yeah, but it's just um, interesting to me because it's like in my for, mind, I thought that was a huge hit, and I know that was her biggest hit, and I was like, huh, wow, I really thought that like this was this was that you know this was that moment. Oh, number twenty two. Whoa, I want to be bad peaks higher than Candy. That's kind of crazy. That's insane because in my mind i mean many more obviously had staying power much more than will ford did for, for sure. whatever reason um a million things could be true in this scenario but like so we all know number 41 we, yeah but the thing is like we all everybody knows that song in a way i think also in a way I that feel not like, everybody would know or remember i want to be bad and this obviously is like pure sales too so it's like i mean this is you know before streaming and things so obviously like peaking anywhere on these charts was a big deal but like i wonder if her sales weren't that good but her recognition was better because she was she, her play on mtv and vh1 and all those places was really really high i also feel like candy was a song that was used that was like that was used and commissioned for a lot of like commercials and movies and things like that which is one of the the things that I think is interesting about her because she had multiple songs that were used in films and mm. like television shows. I and I think, with you. and I, which I by the you. way is um, obviously the lead single for the center stage soundtrack, which we have an episode on, which um, people love that episode. So if you want a check lot that of out people, after yeah. this one, go ahead. It's a beloved movie. And I mean, Manny Moore was that girl. So mm-hmm. um, regardless of that, it, she had like this sort of impact. But it's just interesting to me because it's like I think like her television and her film career has been way more prolific than like totally, yeah, you know, yeah. her, her music career. And like I remember like, you know, she had some saucy songs. She had that Walk Me Home, which was like, can you sing a few bars from that? Can song? you walk me home? I don't want to go all the way. Baby, yeah. Won't and you walk with me home? Isn't Shane West in that music video? Or did I make that you, up? I don't know that part. Okay. I couldn't pull Shane West out of a lineup. Though. <laughs> Somebody had a million dollar check in their hand. Um, God, I really want you to see a walk to remember. Um, it's funny. She gets like these. these. It's it, the, One of the interesting things about this movie is Macon. Because that's a name. Macon? Uh, <laughs> Is a place in Georgia and not... I'm sure there are people named... Macon. There are, I know, but it's so funny. His name's Macon, actor Trent Ford, who I, I don't think was seen after after they wrapped this movie. I think he disappeared. Um, I think that was his last... I've not... I've, I've never n- seen this I've actor before, before or after. either. He, like, he, feel, he feels like... He feels like a person who, fe- who... He feels like a person who sort of harkens to, like, all of these other people without 
any sort of like thing that's distinct about him. So it's like he's perfect for like a movie where like you couldn't get Heath Ledger. So you were like or like Josh Hartnett. So you were like, let's let's get him like he's kind of like them enough that like whatever. And maybe he'll get a CW show after this and then he'll be a hit. like, who knows? Like, so he's just like, and you know what, Trent, don't take that to heart. What Brandon says, because he does think that there's something special about you in particular. But he's just saying in general. Right. I just mean, like, it he's was definitely it, listening to this. And yeah, of course. Know, yeah. ATF. Mm-hmm. But it's just like it's very like you're just like the idea of a lot of different types of guys like you're you did it. You were fine. You were definitely probably like, you know, the fifth person to get the maybe to get this I'm call. I'm just thinking about like hearing this feedback about myself and absolutely throwing myself in front of the train. It's, it's so, I'm nobody. It's so, I'm nobody. You are you are forgettable. You are a combination of a lot of. No, I, I wouldn't say forgettable, but you you read between those lines. You intimated. You intimated yeah, what I was getting the, at. The very subtle point you're making. Well, it's true. He's like nondescript in this way that it's like he could have been anyone. And this part also is nothing they don't like this part is okay i take such issue with this part because like making forrester exists only within the world of our mandy moore character he has no family no other friends besides matt who died you have no idea what his ambitions are you have no idea what his dreams are all you know is that he's like kind of a bad i don't know who matt is i do know michael sherwood who we lost in this film oh his name was Michael. Oh my god! Yes. My whole synopsis. I called him Matt. You called him Michael. No, honey. I'm looking at it. I I say Matt repeatedly. <laughs> it stays. It stays, girl. <laughs> And, 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 and let's be clear he's in two scenes so it's yeah. fine it, it, it might as well have been that he's in and Michael. out I mean whatever it's one white guy it's named fine. Matt it's one white guy named Michael what they get I it do? he dies early in the film um, <laughs> wow what a what a confident error like I was so confident in that error I mentioned his name so many times when I synopsis it's, it's funny though because it's like these two are like him and Michael and Trent are supposed to be like best. I'm sorry, Michael and Macon are supposed to be like best friends in this movie. And it's like, it's what is names, this relationship? These names are so interchangeable. Yeah, these, they could be anything. Because these characters are are like are like the equivalent of like, you know, smoke disappearing in the wind. He's almost like Macon is almost like the character, like the one that like a girl writes for herself and like her like journal like her romantic fiction that she writes where she's oh, like of course making showed up at the window his hair was all tussled because he'd been working on his hog all day uh <laughs> but then he motorcycle people get your mouth out of the gutter um and you know he gave me his leather jacket to wear because it was so cold mom mm-hmm. told me i couldn't go but i ferris bueller her and stuffed some pillows under the blanket on the bed and we rode off into the sunset i <laughs> wanted to ha- have the sex and he told me no. He said mm-hmm. I was too beautiful. So we just sat there and I got to be sacred with him. Like, it's like that kind of like nonsense. Totally. That like, like a girl, like he's an idea of a person. That you, It's like, it's like fan fiction. You know what I mean? It really is. Yeah. Like, it feels like it. And like, also Mandy. So like, first of all, Allison Janney, who like, I do what I did like about her is like, 
she's dealing with like, you know, uh, she's rat, she's reeling from a recent divorce from radio disc jockey and like forever playboy, you know, played by America's Peter, Peter Gallagher, the one, the only baby. Uh, I do always smile when I see Peter Gallagher. You love to see him. You love to see him. Tara walked in there was watching it. She goes, "Ugh, I hate when they make Peter Gallagher be like an alternative guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny because I feel like he's actually I can't think of anything in particular, but I feel like he's done this in other random movies where he's like the guy who's like old, but like still like crazy. You know what I mean? Like living differently. Uh, What I want to know is why in the world I'm looking at IMDb. Why is Peter Gallagher listed uh, listed uncredited in this movie? What happened? What? I missed that. He is not in the he's not in the actual like list of like the cast, but he's like in this little like, you know, this little addition at the bottom. It says rest of cast listed alphabetically. And then it says Peter Gallagher uncredited. And it's like, what's that situation? Maybe it was some sort of like, maybe this was something that he did. Yeah, like a favor to the director or maybe he had some dirt on him and he was like. Or maybe there was another movie and they were like, we'll give it to Eric Roberts. You know, you two are interchangeable. And he was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do I'll do this one. And then, yeah, you'll give me that, that better gig. And it's like, yeah, if Leola turned if Leola turns it down, we'll call you. Um, but R.I.P. But yeah, so it was really funny to see him in this role. But he also was like he, he does good with smarmy, even though now he plays more like a, if you look at like a Grace and Frankie, he's like smarmy, older, like businessman. And slick yeah, suits. but like mm-hmm. he does like play like this sort of like slick, like too slick for his own good type character character like snake oil salesman and you get a little bit of that but you only get a little bit because we don't really investigate him as a figure at all in this film like he's no. just an idea of a person as well you it's don't like, understand what kind of father he is you you really don't understand don't. what kind of marriage they had right because you're like you're trying to like I, I i got i did get from like the little bit of alice and janney's um lydia and then mm-hmm. his lynn i did get how these two people would have been attracted to each other i do like, too and you don't get it from the beginning but i think she does a really good job of selling it particularly in that moment on the porch when she talks about how fun he is and that's the first glimpse of like okay she like they aren't complete opposites she found joy in being with him and that is 100% due to Alice and Janney (laughs) like just giving it yeah (laughs) well it's also that thing it's like that classic trope of like you know the dad who's like who like fly by the seat of your pants and like you know he's gonna he's gonna do what he wants to do and then and then the mom who's like got to sort of hold down the fort Mm -hmm. and like it's really interesting because in this movie they do this they do this thing that i hate i hate precocious like children and like they make like mandy more like too mature for her own good as a character and it's just like no teenager talks like this like the way that she's in and then there are times where she sort of like abandons that and she does things that are like kind of kind of like sporadic or like unexpected and like childish and you're like yeah i get that's more in line for like even though I also it's like a they 17 say it, year old but if she's even 17 because at one point in the movie her mom's talking about selling the house and she says oh you know in about like a year and three quarters when you leave or whatever and I was like was she a junior um, no because I think she's supposed to be a senior but I who knows I, who knows it, they probably forgot halfway through exactly what they were what story they were trying to sell the, the ship they were running was not the tightest <laughs> yeah I'm sure continuity was just person was just trying to get through it like everybody else I will point out this movie was made was 
was released um, on July 18th, 2003. Mm. Um, just came up in that 19th anniversary. I'm sure uh, Mandy sent some texts out to um, to old Trent mm-hmm. um, just to say, yeah. remember, remember, get out. I'm sure they're um, deep, deeply in touch. Oh, absolutely. It was made in a budget of 16 million and it made about 14 million at the box office. So mm. it happened. Um, it, it didn't. It was not well reviewed or well liked. <laughs> no, it wasn't a movie that was celebrated by the critics. No, um, I mean at the time I didn't really like. Love I remember it. this movie coming out, and I remember thinking, "Whoa, Manny Moore has short hair." That was the thing about it, and I would like. I just like love to see the girlies doing what they do. So I, I obviously went to go see this movie, and I was like, and I love a good, I love a good rom com, you know. And this was uh, apparently a rom com, and although <laughs> light on the calm, also kind of, well, I don't know. <laughs> I think there's calm in unintended ways yeah yeah it's also right on the rom too <laughs> right on the rom although very sexual actually i was surprised at like their sex scene for who like right before they have sex at that new year's eve party they like, don't have sex I, no right before they're about to oh have sex. okay sorry it's like yeah. not a sex scene but they're like heavy petting and making out in a bed and i was just like Hmm. this is like more um, sexual than I thought like a 2003 Mandy Moore would go for. Yeah. You know, just because she was particularly in that time, she was moving away from her like um, pop star persona and moving more into movies for sure. But like definitely still those women, I feel like some of them did movies like, you know, Britney did a movie and yeah. Um, I don't know if Christ, I don't think Christine ever did a movie. She hadn't she hadn't given us uh burlesque yet, no. Right. Burlesque was later in life. Um, but I just thought like, oh wow, I'm surprised that like this is like such an intense heavy petting scene. I just didn't such I don't know, there's petting. something <laughs> I thought it would be like a little bit more chaste, is what I mean. For two thousand. Heavy petting always sounds like to me, it sounds like I don't know. There's something so like it's not like cute. I hear my I hear like my grandmother yeah. saying, "Yeah, it's, it's just not like cute. oh, it's like yeah, they were heavy petting in there. It's like ugh, I hate it. There's I just something... imagine like a lot of hot breath and just like pawing. Yeah, and like it's like there's like it's something animalistic because but it's not animal. sex though either. It's like it's like but necking. It's, it's like yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the scene I, I was thinking to myself, oh my god, is she really gonna have sex with him in like this room? It's like it's like somebody's cabin and like it's a party full of people. I and know. Also, and I was like, you're just in a bedroom. Like anybody can open that door at any time. 100%. Just like you did. You guys opened the door and there was like another couple in there, but they weren't. It, that was like such a weird moment, too, because they it's made it seem thing. like she was giving her that guy a blowjob. But she was just leaning over him to like grab her earrings. And I was like, what was the point of that? What was the point of this moment? Because they're yeah. trying to like create the illusion of her being like a woman of ill repute. And yeah. like, but like they don't want to fully commit to it. Right. Because um, exactly. it's like a YA movie and they don't want to lose that PG rating they have. <laughs> Um, but yeah it's like a weird scene and then her on the bed with him and it's like she would never agree to do this like I was thinking it was like she's no. she's not she would never have she may uh, she may have sex with him but it's not going to be like at this party on a pile of coats in like somebody's bedroom and this isn't like a massive house where you're like in another wing it's like literally there's people right outside the door in the hallway it's like are you two really going to have sex in, in the room with all of the coats on the bed that like 
anybody could walk into it any time. And this like, if anything, you should have sex in your car. It, that'd like, be better. It's like an be better. It's like a one thousand square. It's like a one thousand square foot like cabin with like <laughs> literally wall to wall full of so many people that they can't even get through. And it's like you really think you're gonna get like thirty minutes to an hour alone in this room to like have to sex lose your and virginity. Like, and that's the it's thing like, too is like lose your virginity. Like you memorize it. <laughs> and then they get in the car after that, and he's so upset with her. And it's like I, know, I don't get why she has to explain herself to you why this wasn't no. the moment no exactly. and he's so angry and he's like i don't get it it's like you don't get why that wasn't the place for me to lose my virginity you don't understand why it means a little bit more to me than like you know laying on like a series of like starter jackets and like shitty like you know Forever american eagle puffers like, like yeah and i it really pissed me off how angry he was in the car because he's and unjustified like, it's like yeah because just, people this is this is the thing too it's like he's still i i don't like the idea when like particularly teen movies where there's a sexual experience and then so, uh, someone you if it's a heterosexual couple oh the girl stops it in the middle and she never has to fucking justify that to you she doesn't fucking oh you have no right to be angry anything you should be supportive and try to figure out like are you okay is anything wrong like can i you know can we talk this out instead he's like angry in the car and it's like i don't like this in these kinds of movies because also in the end he turns out to be like a good guy they get together and it's like that's not a good guy moment a good a good well, that they're trying to make us. They the don't, audience. and they don't like, do a good job of it. No, they do zero. They do zero. He he does zero work, and the like to get back to her. Like, he, what do you do? You break. You go on a radio show and you say like, "Sorry, I fucking disappeared for a week after getting into a car accident with you," and then like I barely explain why and what kind of world do you live in where you can just leave school for a week and like not have to yeah he takes these like yeah he takes these little like holidays where he just like disappears from school or whatever and like the car accident happens as they're leaving this party where she wasn't supposed to go to the party because her mom forbid forbade her yeah and they get in a car accident which which actually isn't even his fault i don't think the car no there's another car swerving into their lane a a car swerves in their name it's like a new year's eve party or whatever and like she snuck out of the house to go they get in this car accident and then she's like hospitalized and not a scratch on her face don't worry of course um, not. and then like he they put like a little bit of extra rouge on her cheeks i know um, i noticed there was like there was like uh <laughs> it's supposed to be a bruising by her eye but it was just like they just put a ton of blush down there it's like oh she rubbed her cheek really hard on the seatbelt or something and, yeah like, it's so hard it. and it's like she still looks perfect don't worry and trent like leaves the hospital and just She's leaves made. her there his name is macon oh i'm so sorry that's the actor my bad um macon <laughs> leaves the hospital and just leaves her there and then she doesn't see him for weeks and she's like her mom comes to the hospital and her dad and then like she goes home and then he pops up at school like a week later and he's like hey kid I know. And she's like <laughs> and she's like no no that's not okay what you did you left me and he's like oh I was just you didn't want your, your mom to see me there she would have been even more mad it's like whatever like I mean you could have hung out until you like saw her and then slipped away but or also something face like, the music too well also tell her what also be there to inform her of what actually took place so that she's right. not in the dark and like and then like at, when her mom shows up at the hospital she like gives her this weird unnecessary lie that yeah. doesn't make the situation any better she's like mom um i was driving the car 
And it's like, why lie about being why? in the passenger seat? You two didn't do anything wrong. And so it's like, just say we were in the car. He was driving me home and a car swerved into our lane. It must have been a drunk driver yeah. as opposed to like, I was driving the car and. And you know how bad of a driver I am. And she's an unlicensed driver, too. Let's say. It just like, doesn't. It's like, what's going on? Why is this why, the lie? You why chose? are you? Yeah. Why are you choosing the lie that like involves you breaking the law? And he's <laughs> and him still being there. It's not like she was like, oh, me and Scarlett were in the car. Um, but it's just like, I mean, that would have been a bit much because her mom was like, what about the baby? Um, <laughs> but oh yeah, God. it was just, it's a lot. And like also before this scene, we get the scene <sighs> where, you know, the aforementioned grounding, we get the scene where her mom grounds her. And it's such a weird moment because earlier in the movie, Trent, who she sort of like initially just knows as being like her best friend's boyfriend's best friend, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. She just knows Trent as being like Michael. Scarlett's, she just knows my Macon as being her boyfriend, her friend, Scarlett's boyfriend's friend. And right. so like that's an over the movie, they sort of develop their own relationship outside of that couple, especially after the Michael character dies in the film. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's like there's a moment where he comes over to her house and they've sort of been getting to know each other. And we've been watching a little bit of a relationship develop and he's like throwing pebbles at her window and then she comes down and then he's like trying to kiss her. And then her mom like comes outside and she says, Hallie, Hallie and Hallie like pops out from around a bush and is sort of trying to come up with a reason for it being the middle of the night and her being outside. Mm -hmm. And then Scarlet conveniently pops up and like, fills in like the blanks and tells this made up story about how the two of them are out there talking while Macon's like hiding behind some azalea bushes. But it's like, (laughs) that was a moment in the movie where I thought to myself, is she that strict? Because it's not like I like, is your mom that I was surprised. I was surprised by this, by the mother character, all of a sudden like drawing these hard lines and being super strict where like, she couldn't be like, hi, he came over. We're standing in the front yard, like talking. And it was like her mom. And I was like, Oh, so they're trying to make her strict. I just didn't get that moment from her before at any point in the movie. And then like a couple of scenes later, when the mom comes home from, she goes out on a date, she comes home, Hallie and Macon are on the couch and they are making out on the couch and her mom, heavy petting and her mom, you know, tells him to get out. And then her mom grounds Hallie. And once again, I thought like, and I don't know if it's just because like, I'm so removed from this world, Mm -hmm. but I just thought like, because she says like Hallie what's going on you've never done anything like this before you've always been super responsible and I thought to myself then why can't we give her like a little bit of slack with that knowledge and like why can't we at least make this like a warning situation where we're like where she's like what's going on Hallie tells you oh I'm seeing this guy and he came over and we were kissing a little bit like on the couch nothing more but instead her mom like isn't really hearing her and then is just like you're grounded and it doesn't feel like the same character that like I knew from like earlier in the film. So I was a little bit like, huh, you're just, you're immovable on this and you're not willing your daughter who's been super mature and who's been really like guiding, like helping you and doing a lot of the emotional labor of like being a friend for you through this divorce from your husband, her father. But and it's also, like you- also she's been so at the same time, Hallie has been so whiny, like, and, and does have an attitude. I feel like she's always complaining about, she's just like, I feel like she's like throwing her hands down, complaining about everything that her mother asked her to do. And she's like, Oh, I don't feel that way. Really? Yeah. You didn't feel that way at all. Oh, I felt like she was actually like a pretty like level headed, like 
chill person considering oh, I like she was so annoying see i had the mo- i had a moment in this movie where i actually thought to myself whoa she really does have a lot on her shoulders and i do get why they named it how to deal and i hated myself but i did have that moment because it's like hallie's dealing with her with her parents her parents have you know divorced her dad yeah. is like getting married to the woman that he cheated on her mother with her sister her older sister is getting ready to get married um her mom wants to sell the family home mm-hmm. all of this is happening during I mean, her senior year of high school, then her best friend's boyfriend dies. Then her best friend finds out that she's pregnant. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, this is a lot for one person. And so when she came home and her mom says from her dad's wedding and her mom says to her, Oh, I'm thinking about selling the house. I did think let's just breathe for a second. Like, yeah, that was, this is a lot for one person to take on. And I mean, a part of that is the result of this literally being like based on two separate move on um, two separate books that were sort of like spliced together. So they together. Yeah. So they essentially took the events of two separate uh of two separate novels, young like young adult novels. I mean, you know, and they turned it into like this massive movie. Sarah Dessen, who wrote novels Some Someone Like You and That Summer, which like the story is sort of piecemeal together with aspects from both of them. Mm-hmm. Um and and it's a lot. It's a lot, I imagine, for like a person to be processing. And I mean, it, she's not it, really getting like is. much room to I, take it in. It is. I just I felt like it was so annoying in the beginning how she's like trying to tell everybody not to fall in love. I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, I mean, I felt friends, that way, too. Like, also have a good time. Let your best friend like enjoy Michael or Matt, whatever the fuck his name is. Like yeah, she's getting in. in. Also, like, nobody's in love. Like no- these people are just banging it out. Like I don't even know if your dad's in love with this woman, to be honest. No, I mean, whatever that mess is. But like, I just was like, I felt like she was being sort of holier than thou and being like, you know, love doesn't exist. And it's like, oh, so you're the only child of divorce ever. And you've decided that you have the key to like understand that like, you know, you well, you just shouldn't you shouldn't love and then you won't get hurt. It's like just like classic like bullshitting. And I just was like, shut up. I mean, and I I, I mean I'll be fair, she is she is going through a lot. I know. But And we were really dramatic when we were that age too. And we had a lot of like but I was so dramatic. And I I am looking at this through lens of a woman in her late thirties where I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like why are you looking at it from (laughs) why are you looking at it from your perspective a couple years ago? Fuck you. Um, so I also <laughs> think it's really funny in this movie because one of the first scenes we have, we have um, Alice and Janney. I felt bad because I feel like they did her dirty. And I was like, I, it is Dylan. His name, it's, it's, it's Steve Beck with it. I'm sorry, that's the character name. It's Dylan Baker is the actor. He's yeah. character actor. You've seen him in a bunch of stuff. But I literally started Great like... Great actor, totally. He was fine. But yeah. I was like, where was Patrick Duffy? Where was Ed Harris? <laughs> I, I wanted Ed Harris. I wanted I, her to get like... You, to uh, be fair, you were always looking for an Ed Harris. I but, am. I wanted her to get like an appropriately aged like smoke show. I honestly would have even been happy with a Billy Bob Thornton. Like I, I wanted her I don't need, to I don't have any more Billy Bob Thornton than we have. To be you know he puts it you. down though. You know he puts Ugh. it down in the bedroom. Blood I'm, vials and all. Oh my god. Neck, blood vial necklaces that him Sex. and Angelina wear when she's Sex. not making out with her brother. Oh God. Sex with Billy Bob remember Thornton. What, do you remember sounds that? Like my, of course I do. Sex with Billy Bob Thornton Wild. sounds like the just like like in in the worst possible way like so filthy and not would you rather have sex with dylan baker than have sex with billy bob thornton 
Who's the actor in this movie? Oh. That actor, that face. Okay. That O face. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want exactly. to exactly either of them. Exactly. But you'd be but you'd be knocking on Sling Blade's door. No, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Gun mm-hmm. to my head. I feel like I feel like that actor, Dylan Baker, would maybe be nicer to me than Billy Bob Thornton. I feel like Billy Bob Thornton would like Yeah, he'd be too nice. He yeah, exactly. It's like, look, neither. Yeah, he'd be stopping neither, to get you a LaCroix in the middle and apologizing for like the performance. I want to say middle. that neither Billy Bob Thornton nor Dylan Baker would be giving me the. Ed O'Neill. Look, anything. My point, Ed, Kevin Pollock. Like, my point is there's a lot of like pools. You J.K. Really, Simmons. There's a lot of not, pools we could have dipped our toes into. You weren't letting. You just, you stepped on my joke. It was going to be good. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Late. It's too late. It's too late. And you know you, I want you to apologize for that for a long time. I'm so um, sorry. <laughs> anyways, I just I mean there's a lot of I actors agree. like that. I'm like character actors. It's like you could have gone for if you want. Even honestly, like a William H Macy, you couldn't afford Tar- it probably. T- but. No, of course not. And he's not doing the shit. Well, no. I don't know. But it depends on what's going on. If it's, exactly. If, if you know the family's busy preparing for college, then. Exactly. Maybe you he's got get, some. Maybe he's get, got some. Maybe he's got some. Um, gotta get it. that bribe money somewhere. No, I was gonna um, make a more clever joke. What was the sport? Don't hear my joke and say I was gonna make a more clever joke. You would have agreed though. Would not. I never would have agreed to that. No matter, <laughs> even if it was. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, gotta get that money together for those cricket photos for his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I cannot remember. I was what I cannot remember the name of the sport. It wasn't cricket. Crew. Was, crew. was it crew? Oh, got to get those crew team. Got to get those crew team, team shots together with the actors in the background and the in the canoe with her. Um, action. Action. You know, but you know, and her mom slathering Vaseline but on her teeth. I agree. Someone and Tara and I have the same conversation. Someone with a little more rugged handsomeness for yeah. Our girl Allison. I felt that way too. And this is not to shade Dylan Baker. He's a great actor, but I just felt like it was like, you know, Peter Gallagher got that like young blonde yes, that part. thing. And it's like, and then she had to go with like the dopey like Civil War reenactor, which is problematic in and of itself. Why are the notes I wrote? I was like, why are you so, why are people so obsessed with the Civil War? Even if you are fighting against, you know, the South, why are you, why, why, why is it the Civil War that you want to reenact? I think, yeah, why is, why that. is that like the time, the point in time that we want to just sort of like luxuriate in? Exactly, live through. Like, I, and oh my God, speaking of, should we talk about the in-laws um, dinner? The oh, yeah, dinner? they have to. Yeah. So like, as we mentioned, sort of like briefly earlier, like her, like her sister, Ashley, who's like six years older than her. So I, I guess maybe like early 20s then. Yeah. Her sister is getting ready to get married and her sister is getting ready to get married to this gent guy named Lewis, some this gent named Lewis. And he comes from like money and like, she comes from, I mean, her dad's a successful radio DJ and yeah, they're not know, hurt. They're not hurt for money, but they're, but they're like middle-class and he comes from like upper class, this upper class family. And they and seem s- to be, they said they moved from Georgia. So they seem to be like old Southern money. If you know, yeah. What I mean. and they're like, I mean, you explained it. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, they're like they're here for some reason, and like they're like caricatures of the South. It's and it's so like, funny. They're so genteel. The, they're genteel with a capital G, and it's like, they're hamming it up. They really are caricatures. Like I was like, is this like this is like the mother was like out of sketch, and then the father was like he wrote he was giving me like extras um from the notebook vibes oh for sure <laughs> also they're like they anything that like allison janney who also like brings her mother who might as well be a hip-hop granny from the wet from the wedding singer um, um well <laughs> what did tara and i were like oh it looks like nina falk could- by the way nina falk is her name she was she was a famous like television and like film actress of like I, yeah of like the 50s and the 60s like she's she she does she's a lovely actress she was, but, she, and she was great in this role but it was like oh i guess like cloris leachman didn't pick up the phone <laughs> yeah it was like they probably were like trying to i mean she was probably fresh off that malcolm in the middle nonsense so i'm sure they were like <laughs> she probably was a little kooky with a capital k they were like let's tone it down a little bit so also they got the, nina the grandma Mother's only identity in this movie was that she smokes a lot of weed. And it was like, okay, she literally has no other like. And then they give her the scene towards the end of the movie where she like finally gets to like actually have like (laughs) a conversation about something other than like her dope intake. Yeah. And it's it's also like they're like they keep like being like trying to like police her marijuana. It's like just let her live her fucking life. Yeah, she's like in her 80s, obviously. Let her Yeah, exactly. She's just let her putter around and let her have her, her joints. Like let her let her be okay. If I see it like an, a woman in her eighties like smoking weed, I'm like, do you do you, Queen? One hundred percent. If I see anybody, this is the thing too. Is like I remember when I saw this movie, I thought the weed smoking granny was so edgy and so funny, and now um, because like weed is so much a part of our lives in a way that it wasn't twenty years ago. Like ev- like so many like so many places have legalized marijuana and stuff like that, and it's really m- much less of a stigma now than it used to be. So I'm like watching this, I'm thinking like this isn't like unusual or fun. And like people like uh, they also like briefly mentioned that she started smoking weed while she was going through chemotherapy and she yeah. just continued since then. Let's which like, is like let her let her. Um, <laughs> but like they go to this dinner, they introduce her just for this scene so that they can make the dinner extra kooky. Yeah. And then it's like the weirdest dinner. And like the parents are like, I always love these scenes where it's like they really want to demonstrate to you how out of place like these like this like woman, this Allison Janney character is with like her like children, but like she doesn't have a husband and like she works, she has a job and she's sort of like trying to figure her life out. And she got divorced. It seems like like yesterday. Right. So like she's trying to put the pieces of her life together. And then you've got this family that's like seemingly all together. But these people always seem so much weirder to me than like the other people, because it's like absolutely they can't even have like they're incapable of having conversations or collect or collect or connecting with even like each other. Yeah. So it's like, you've got no room. And like, I would have drugged them in their fucking house. <laughs> they kept giving each other these looks for no reason. Like anything that they asked a question about. And it was like, Oh, you know, it was, Oh, did you, did you see the, you know, like, did you, I don't even know. Oh, like, you know, what'd you like? It'll be like, Oh, what'd you do yesterday? What'd you do yesterday evening? And then Alison Janney will be like, Oh, I, I worked. And then I came home and then the mother's like, you labor at a company. And she's like, yeah, I work to like support myself. And then her and the, and her and the dad are like giving each other darting look. It's like, this is too much. Like, you know, that there are people in the world who have to work to survive. Exactly. And stop being aliens. It's it's also 2003, not 1952. (laughs) Yeah. 
not unique like, for women just, to be in the workforce. Like it's just it's just boring. It's like yeah. it's like can you two stop staring at each other like that? Like somebody literally just like just speaks up and it's just like enough. Like we can see you darting looks back and forth. And like if your whole goal is to perform this sort of like wealth and opulence and like Emily post fantasy for us, then like you're not doing a really good job because it's pretty unbecoming to do that in front of your guests, right? Even yeah. for me, a lowly laborer. Like and there's like oh, oh. it's like that, but it's like that's what it is. It's and they they have no personality outside of like existing within these rigid societal lines that like nobody absolutely. adheres to. And I and it's like I I always forget that people like this absolutely still exist. Of course. Where it's like they have these rigid existences that like like their personality is the rules of their and world. It's, and it's it, it's honestly just more sad for those kinds. Oh, of it's people. so sad. Yeah. Their because lives are so like empty and bleak. The uh, so empty and bleak. And it's their insecurities. So they're just projecting on everybody else who live their lives in a way that they see, quote unquote, like differently or whatever. Also, you also you knew all this. I know your son yeah. told you and prepared you for like who these people were. So I don't understand all of the like the, the, the guffaw and like the darting eyes back and forth across the table because it's like you knew. And also Southern people do not do this. Southern people are the shadiest people and Southern people know how they would they're gonna talk about you when you leave their house. Absolutely. They know how to at least like put up appearances for a dinner. So it's like, yeah. y'all aren't doing us right either. Like, no. you gotta let them know. We are shady as hell, but like, <laughs> we, will walk, we will walk you to the door first. And, you know, and then and somebody will be like, that was interesting. Yeah, well, and then you start heart. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's the silliest. It's like the silliest so dinner. And like oh, the wildest part was the grandmother. Like the the is this you're gonna talk about? The maid? Yes, this is what yeah, this is why it I was like it the up. weirdest moment. It was like it, I don't even what was the what was the quote? I wrote it down. Uh, I can't it remember. It was I, the quote where the grandmother says something like Oh no, that was an insane quote from early in the movie. Um the grandmother said something like along the lines of like, you've, you know, you, I know you've seen a lot. What, what was the line? God, I wish I could say it's it, whatever it was. It was like so fucking wild. But I also didn't completely understand what she was getting. What like the point was she was trying to make. Look. It was a black maid or or housekeeper dressed in like a traditional maid's uniform serving squab um, instead of turkey on Thanksgiving to everybody. And um, Lewis said something about how she practically raised this woman, moved with them up from Georgia to New Jersey, where they were now, and that how this woman like practically raised um, Lewis and it just had very like weird slavery vibes. Oh, the- like where the yeah, where where they find yeah, where they find it was something like where they find you, you know, or oh, something like that. It was like where they find where they find you. You must have seen a lot, something yeah. like that. It was like it was really just, weird. It was, it was really, really weird. You're right. And like not only that, this is maybe the only black person in this entire. Movie. It is the only black person. It, in the yeah, movie. it is the only black. Person. And and to have this weird like. Like older white Southern, woman, like talking to this, like, like, sl- like it was like older, like, like 
you know, there was just this like slavery tint. To I it. felt like, and I felt like what she was trying to say was like, I feel like they, they didn't do a good job of like doing what they were trying to do, which I felt like they were trying to use the grandmother as like this sort of like barometer to point out the fact that like these people aren't any better than us. Yeah. And like, they've got some really archaic and like antiquated like views, right. you know, which is, yeah. a, I mean, ne- you can't necessarily draw that from the fact that they have like a black maid who's like worked for their family for like decades. No, and they're from the south but that yeah. was like the grandmother was pointing out the weirdness of like this but situation you have to, to understand her. when you're putting this in a movie you're saying something you're oh you're saying something yeah. and but it also felt out of character for the grandmother character because yeah. it was like where's this coming from this doesn't seem like something that really like like it would have been a better moment if like the mom made a comment about it in the car after they left like what was the deal with that right but, like it was weird because you're because you're because you're sort of putting the onus on the maid in that moment who's right. like just trying to do her job and, and we don't even see like, her head. We don't even see her face. We don't see her react to it. We don't no. get anything from it other than like a little cleanup that has to happen afterwards to make this already uncomfortable meal like a little bit more manageable. But it's at the the whole meal is just awful. The meal has no personality at all. No. Meaning no. like there's no there's no per conversation piece to really like hinge your hat on. It's just they want us to know that it's uncomfortable and that these two worlds are these two worlds are colliding essentially is what they're trying and, to tell us. And I think they're trying to show us that like this is the world that Ashley is trying to fit into and yes. wants her family that is quote quote unquote a little quirky and like dysfunctional or whatever to like put on air so that she can pretend to be someone she's not which like at the end like I guess that's Ashley's transformation where she's like I love this person from this world but I'm not like this and I don't have to hide my family or whatever but it just ends up getting like wrapped up in this weird like I don't know, man. It's this just, it's, weird it's, it's, moment. It's a weird. It's like it's, it feels like the writers didn't know what to do with it, and yes. like, and also, and there's I don't like know this. What they're trying to say about. I don't know what they're trying to say. I think I feel like what they're trying to say is that these are different worlds, and I feel like they went about it in a really messy way because I feel like there's this is sort of one of those scenes that is pretty like canon for like films, like yes. the meetings of worlds happening, and the dinner the dinner table is this really great sort of like cultural linchpin because mm-hmm. how we eat and how we like deal with food and how we like our knowledge of like how to like like our knowledge of the vocabulary of like dining and fine dining in particular like it's a way that you can sort of as we talked about earlier with art and music like it's a way that you can sort of separate people and you can place people into these sort of categorizations like oh you know it's another attempt to just be like we're gonna sort of be these cultural gatekeepers but it's also like food is an interesting thing because we all eat and so it's like but we've got these people at this table who don't know how to eat and it's like a a device that's used pretty often in movies to tell the story of difference and so it's interesting in this film because i feel like they sort of counted on just like they they almost were counting on like on on the viewers and the audience's like preconceived notions around these ideas yeah and our own knowledge that we came into this movie with because it's such because it's a trope that's been used at nauseam they were counting mm-hmm. on that to do the work for them and so they didn't write a scene so they didn't effective. do the work so they didn't do the work we're left with the scene being like sloppy scene what did we just see what are we doing what's happening yeah and exactly. it's a weird scene and it caps off with like a really odd like hallie in a series of really <laughs> odd moments which were like <laughs> Which didn't feel in any way 
way, like, because one thing I will say about Hallie is like, she's, you know, by no means a perfect character. She is our heroine, but like, she is a person who at this point, up to this point in the movie, I have gotten the sense she's a very smart, astute, almost yes. too much so. Uh-huh. Um, she understands decorum. Yes. And like all of a sudden she sort of betrays everything that we know about her as a character. And she does a series of really odd things that it was like, I feel like you would have been better off like giving these bits to like the grandmother than giving them to her. If you want a person who's going to sort of be, who's going to cap off the evening by doing something embarrassing. Because then I also think they want to show us like, this is Hallie being in this moment. Not that I think this is right, but I feel like the choice was made because they wanted to be like, oh, this is Hallie being like, you know, oh, I'm so overwhelmed by everything that's happening in my world that like this is when I'm going to start like rebelling. Rebelling. And maybe maybe you're right. That's a good point. It's like it starts with they they get these like individual like um there's like squabs. They're squabs so. that they're served, which for which some is like reason a small bird basically. And it's like for some reason it's really like crazy. Like the the way that like Hallie's family engages with these with these individual birds is really odd to me. It's like <laughs> I get it. They forget it's, how to like cut into it's like, just it's the weirdest meat. thing it's like i just get it you've never chicken. it's just a small chicken we've all had chicken just like eat it yeah and like hallie's ends up like she's trying to eat hers and she gets so frazzled that it like flies into her lap and then she gets like grease all over like their white like you know um the fabric their on their white chair. fabric chairs you know in their dining room and then she goes to the bathroom and then for some reason she opens a canister in the bathroom which is full of cigarettes and she pulls out a cigarette and starts smoking it in the bathroom <laughs> and then there's so fucking stupid like, and there's a smoke alarm in the bathroom which is also strange to me um and the but smoke I also al- think like if you're going to if you in the bathroom and you're just like snooping around which like you know people do and like I know you do yeah, yeah I, I do snoop in people's like in their cabinets in the bathroom <laughs> just what's up um and if someone has a dish filled with cigarettes if I was a teenager there I would not think oh this is the perfect place to light one of these cigarettes I would steal a handful of the cigarettes like wrap them in paper towel and like put them in my pocket and then like go home and like smoke them in a place where I knew I wasn't going to set off any alarms or get caught you don't just light up a cigarette in a stranger's house and like be like this is fine even when you're and it doesn't and and it doesn't feel like her that's the thing too is she's not like an impulsive person but I guess you're right this is sort of her unraveling I Um, understand saying that like it's rebelling but this is like she's too smart to rebel in this in this way yeah that's the thing also what's the deal with cigarettes in the bathroom i have no idea it was such a like odd place for the cigarettes to be i have never been to a person's house where they had dishes full of cigarettes before i mean i i would imagine like if there was like a if you these people are wealthy and it's a massive home if there was like a library or a drawing room maybe but like it was odd that they were in the bathroom and then this then that happens and then that sort of like caps off the uncomfortable evening and then they leave because if you do want to smoke in the bathroom you can't because there's a smoke detector in there obviously also why would you smoke in in the bathroom yeah exactly i mean and People smoke about them just trying to hide it, of course. Yes. And maybe that's what but like these aren't hidden they're not hidden they're in a massive canister like they're like it's like like, it's like a a ceramic like porcelain dish yeah it just it's just odd it's an odd scene and it's odd way to get us from point a to point b (laughs) so that happens also there's another scene in the movie with like the guidance counselor that was like really weird oh in the very beginning (laughs) hallie is basically goes to the guidance counselor because her schedule is all messed up and she's like 
making all of these extremely vag- valid points about her schedule. I thought and, like, you were going to say extremely vaginal. Well, I did <laughs> say vag and I caught myself. I don't know where I was going with that. But just vagina on the mind per use. But <laughs> she's basically sitting down with the guidance counselor and saying, like, my schedule doesn't make sense. And, like, she's like, I'm... She she says, like, you got me in algebra, but I've already taken calculus. Like, that would yeah. be like basically a step back. And then the guidance counselor is like, well, this should be easy for you. And she's like, <laughs> what? Like, no, I don't I don't want this. And then she's like, and also, like, it, uh, I'm trying to get credits to, like, graduate. Why am I taking this? It isn't doing yeah. presumably already taken. And then she says, like, I and then she's she says, you have me in men's P.E. Like, I, I, I need to get out of that. And she's like, oh, all right. It's just like, <laughs> do your job. What are you doing? I know that like you know a lot of guidance counselors are like you know riddled with apathy but like this is too much it you was just like something. it was so weird there was it's like it's like all of these things that are actually absolutely make sense as being things that need to be addressed and it's like she's just like oh you can make it work and it's like i don't want to though <laughs> and then she's like oh i'll get the paperwork <laughs> like, thanks thanks i guess um, so so there's like all of these scenes where we're watching hallie figure out how to deal and, and you know vibe she and figures out how to deal that's the moment we almost there's like the character who's elizabeth gunderson who's almost like an enemy but like they don't really invest fully in an enemy storyline like four lines she's like saying. four lines in the movie and like she makes like this like comment because as we mentioned earlier scarlet's beau michael who she's very much in love with also at the beginning of this movie they're like having sex and mm-hmm. i had a moment where i was like i i forget because my my youth was so different mm-hmm. if people were if people were fucking i like i i was not really fully aware I you mean in my, high school yeah like i don't okay. think i understood that people were having full-on sex in high oh, school oh i had um, a lot of my friends were having sex i was not having sex in high school but a lot of my friends were having sex i was very much on the outside of that world and i think i was hanging out with a lot of virgins because like i don't think I any mean, of us it were was like, there was a mix like there were a lot of people who weren't having sex and then a lot of people who were but like uh, you know we largely I, were not my, my my friends some of them probably were and i just wasn't also, aware of it i do want to say that you're from the south and i think there's a higher like that's probably yeah religious that's probably um just just cover of like religion informing people's decision in high school I think like doesn't totally exist in the same way no that may be that may be a good point or one of my friends in my school might be listening and like send me a message and be like Brandon we were all fucking (laughs) we just knew that we knew you couldn't handle it Um, you couldn't handle that knowledge and they're not wrong it probably would have been like too much for me Um, I mean I remember like the waterfall of all my friends losing their virginity and like uh, you know everyone coming and and telling me like oh my god I lost my virginity I lost my virginity and it started at like you know age 15 and God. went up but uh, not for me <laughs> my old ass um <laughs> yeah uh yeah and i, I i'm behind on most things so that's not you know that's not it, it comes to everybody in their own time see there was a single I, I just i didn't date people in high school like in the i know you did but um, I, yeah, I had a few. I had few, like few GFs in high school, ladies yeah. out there, and it's a wonder you didn't want to have sex with them. But then all, but yeah, and that was fine until anybody put that pressure on me, and I had to get, <laughs> then I had to get out of that thing quick. <laughs> I was like, oh no! I remember my my girlfriend in high school whose name will remain unmentioned. <laughs> Um, talking about having sex and he's been like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get out of this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, but it, but it's like those moments in the movie. We find out that there's 
um, that Scarlett, her boyfriend, he dies on the soccer field. And then, you know, while playing a game, it turns out he had a heart defect. And then later on in the movie, we find out that Scarlett's pregnant. And so now she's sort of grappling with like what decision to make. And this actually was like, this was an interesting like development because I did find myself sort of like, I really felt for her. And I really like, I understood how like, how it instantly becomes more complicated by him dying in the middle of like your love. And it's like, you've got all of this weight because a part of you is like, it's gotta be like, if he was alive and if you and him sat down and made this decision to like terminate this pregnancy, like that would have been a different story, but it's like, there's something about like, a the hormones and like the reality of the fact that like you're in the first your first love presumably the first person you've had sex with who died in the middle of that like that teen love yeah and then like flying hormones ultimate and then like the lat you are pregnant with like his legacy yes the last like ability for him to like pass down his anything like, to the world and then you're, yeah and you're of course thinking in your head like what if it's a little boy what if he looks just like it's like like right. this opportunity to like preserve his legacy and to continue right. it on also i was also thinking to myself just the older practical me was also like those parents also are loaded they're gonna take care of you girl. <laughs> um his um, parents i mean they seem the like older practical me was like you know what you had your time get rid of it because this is gonna change your whole fucking life and see i was like no, I, I didn't think that at all because i was like those parents are gonna want to be a part of that kid's life they're gonna want to support you financially in any way they can they're probably gonna help you freaking pay for like college i bet they're gonna do anything they can to stay in your good graces this is like the own this would be the only living like you know, heir to their family. Right. And I was just like, they're going to do everything they can to, to keep you in good standing with them and to like make you want them to be a part of this kid's yeah, life. But you're still becoming a parent at 16. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But becoming a parent at 16 with wealthy, with like with, yeah. with money coming in from like rich ass, like parents of your, de- of your deceased partner is a better situation than you just having to scramble on your own. So 100%, I just thought, not I that agree. it was, and not that it was like a money, I'm not saying it was a money grab for Scarlett. No. I'm just saying that like logistically, I was just thinking, I bet like his parents who are wealthy enough to just pack up their entire lives and move to Florida, apparently, mm-hmm. like really fast, too. By the way, like she gets, she finds out she's pregnant, and then like all of a sudden, the next scene, she's like, They're his done. parents, his parents, they moved to Florida. It's like, oh, they got that kind of money. That, <laughs> when you can move like that, either you got that money or you don't have that money, and you got to move fast. Right, it's exactly. one or the other, baby. It could be an indication of, but I think like, I also think of the not like I just like to like I know this is a silly movie, but the not the the, the non financial um effects of having a child oh of course of like course. that's that's the thing that i that would give me pause is like you you don't get to have you know your childhood finish up you don't get to have your oh for sure is you don't get to do any of that and that is that can really affect you later in life because i know people who have had kids really young and then had like you know sort of like this uh, really difficult time moving through like once they got into their thirties and their kid is a little bit older than really wanting to really resenting not having those younger experiences later in life, not resenting their kid. Of course they love their no, kid. You said what that, you said. You know? No, 
their kids is tell their story say their names you might everything to them but that's difficult that's 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 a that's a lot that i feel like you know when you are that age you really aren't able to comprehend how significant that time is i think that's true i mean it's there's two sides to every story and it's obviously and it's obviously a pros and cons situation really yeah she makes she makes that comment you know like as lightly as she may be making it but you know about like you know that knowledge that she's going to be making sacrifices to make this happen, you know, but right. decide. And then also Hallie mentions adoption, but mm-hmm. she doesn't even seem to really be like on board with that, which is like also well, what I thought in that moment was like, well, I hope you'll at least reach out to like the parents for if you decide right, to right, right. give the kid like, up for adoption as opposed to sending them a letter and being like, Hey, he's in the system. Um, <laughs> he's but, in the system. Um, the, famous, like, the famously perfect system. No notes. The, in, the system that is immaculate and like immaculate. has no issues. Flawless. Um, but like, and the parents are just like, what did you do? Where's our grandchild? Um, but yeah, so it's like, it, it, it's an interesting sort of like situation where you get both sides of it. And like, because he died when he died in the middle of a perfect love, it's like all of these things are tied to it and all of these oh, questions and you're missing him. And it's like this link, this would be like, yes, you know, and so, to him. Totally. so it's like, it's really complicated, but you know, the movie this actually, this is <laughs> actually, never mind. I'm not going to bring up this point. It's fine. Oh, um, you sure? It's so stupid, but it usually is if, if you're at the helm of it. But go for it. I this reminds me of like okay, so I have definitely spent my time watching some of the reality show called Teen Mom. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, does this the, happen? Yes. Yeah, so one of the oh, wow. very one of the very controversial cast members of Teen Mom. I think she's on Teen Mom too, technically. Um, her Teen name Mom is Dieu. Um, Pardieu. She is. Uh, her name is Farah, and she got pregnant, and then with this guy, and um, before the baby was born, she died. I think it was in a Whoa. car accident or something, and so I. I think she was always going to keep the baby, but this was made her feel very connected to, Mm. you know, just like to the baby's father in that way, where it was like they, I think were at least still together. And that was, you know, obviously a really difficult moment. And do you think that the writers stole that from, from Farrah? From Teen Mom? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know when Teen Mom 2 came out. I I don't either, but that's crazy. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. It reminded me of that. But again, Farrah is also a very controversial, like person on that show because she um, does and says some wild shit. So. (laughs) Okay. And I also just didn't want to admit that I, I have watched like a significant amount of Teen Mom. <laughs> you're you're fine. This is a safe zone. It's absolutely not in no way. Um, but you do you. Yeah, you watch yeah, what you yeah. want to watch, Mama. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean that when the movie culminates in the we already mentioned it, but the end of the movie is the birth of this baby, mm. and it is sort of like. Oh, like Macon, and for whatever reason, Hallie makes up with Macon, and then like it's these relationships always seem so all all i think all these moves i'm always just like none of you are gonna stay together like oh my god you're you're 17 17 it's not happening you're gonna go to college and meet like you're the head of your dorm floor and follow exactly or like this is this is gonna last six months but i do think like i am so 
like I was furious when I watched this ending again, when they're outside of a hospital or the hospital room and they're getting back together and she, Hallie goes on this thing and I pulled up the, um, the dialogue because I want to make sure I got it right. So Macon goes, so do you hate me? And she goes, not you per se. I hate the way that your hair falls in your face. And I hate the way that your voice gets really low when you're serious. And I hate the way you bite your bottom lip when you're nervous and the way your eyebrow goes (laughs) like that. I hate that. So that's it. You just hate the way that I walk and talk and look. No, that Jedi mind trick thing. I hate that. And it's like, she's saying all of these things to him and it's 100% an absolute worse written carbon copy or not carbon, I guess a, a rip off from 10 things I hate about you, which is one of the greatest team rom-coms ever. And Julia Stiles goes on this whole thing about the thing that she hates about Patrick, the guy that she's in love with in the movie played by the late great Heath Ledger. And I was listening to this and I was like, oh my God. And this movie definitely came out after 10 Things I Hate About You. And that was a huge hit. And I'm like, you guys are fucking, this is stolen. And it's worse. It's worse. That's so funny. I haven't seen that movie. But that's really funny, though. I know you haven't seen that movie, and um, that's crazy to me. Shout out to you, Julie Styles. Always, always. I see you grinding out there. What's she up to? Making lemonade, baby. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I mean, that was a. Uh... That's, that's that's how, how to, to deal, deal baby uh, and we're still learning how to deal every day absolutely and we're absolutely always, we're always running into mandy and asking her um man man she's a huge career now huge television huge. career she Amazing. is um she plays the matriarch of the family mm-hmm. on um this is us. of the pearson family on this is us that's right mm-hmm. um yeah and it's a huge television show. Yeah, um, it's and, been. And she's done like, a bunch of other stuff too. But she's done a bunch of other stuff, but that is her. At, this at is this, her, she's a very yeah. young. She's like thirty-eight. Like Mandy Moore is mm-hmm. a huge. You know, she's got. I'm sure many more things to happen. And I think that this show has really been a great jumping-off point for her because she Absolutely. had to do a lot of things on this show. And you're right. She was. Uh, she was nominated for a primetime Emmy for This Is Us. So Emmy-nominated actress. Um, yeah. And um. And she's great in the show. Yeah, I, she has a good I, job. I've only watched like the first two episodes. I couldn't, uh, I had trouble getting into it, although I know it is a really great show and people really like it. It was difficult for me because it was just so fucking sad. I watched um, the first like two seasons of it and then oh, I um, like, yeah, I watched like the first two seasons of it and then I, I couldn't do it anymore. It was exhausting. It's just it was, a recipe for tears. And it's, yeah, it's, and, and, and it's in like, this world, I don't need that. I got it. I'm, I'm cooking enough on my you own. You love being emotionally manipulated by a television <laughs> show. What are you I actually, about? I actually do, but for some reason, this one was like too obvious. It is. It's, re- <laughs> it, it just, it keeps going and they're in the, in yeah. the track. Tragedies keep coming and exactly. everybody's trying to get through it. And it just it's it's a doozy. And at, I think at the end of this, I had to struggle to get to the end of the second season. And I was like, I, I love Sterling K. Brown. I think he's wonderful. I think Chrissy Metz is really great. Amazing. Just like, An incredible but, performances by everybody. And Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah. Milo Ventimiglia plays the father. Yeah. Yeah. Mandy Moore does a lot of she does a lot of age work, too, because yeah. she has to play the mother like at multiple points mm-hmm. in the show. 
in the and I know, will say after watching How to Deal and um, This Is Us, like she has matured so much as an actor. Yeah, she's grown a lot as an actress, yeah. but like really sort of pulled like a really impossible thing in Hollywood and like revitalized her career. Mm-hmm. You know, we, from these sort and we of, love like, and we love to see it. So good for her. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, I've got a question for you, Bran. Go for it. Ask it quickly. <laughs> Would you watch this movie again? Uh, no. Okay, that's what I thought. I was going to be blown away if it was ES. No, I mean, like I, I say sometimes, if it was on. Yeah. And there wasn't anything else on, but probably mm-hmm. not even then. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I had my feel. And I didn't hate it either. I just. No, no. It's it's a fun, easy movie, but it's not. It doesn't really you, know what. It doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know what it is. And it's not something you need to watch more. Than yeah. Once. It's not a drama and it's not a comedy and it's not really anything in between. And it's not really a romance. It's just. No. Like, it's just kind, kind of, of events a, happening in these boring people's lives. Yeah, exactly. So that's how I would deal by yeah. turning the channel. <laughs> okay. And then um, my next question: Do you have a movie for me to watch? I'm a cancer. I, oh, I thought you were asking my zodiac sign. This is so oh, um, <laughs> all I heard was cancer, and I got scared. <laughs> no, and I hate that. That I hate that. That's our story as cancers. Yeah. I hate that we have to share mm-hmm. our name. Disease. The yeah. deadly disease, Mama. Okay, the one. <laughs> there's a few, but it's the one when it's somebody the one says that has when the most somebody says publicity. When somebody says to you, if if somebody if somebody was like, yeah, my my dad just died, your first thought would be cancer. If you if you it like, depends if you, on who on. it is. If some if somebody was like if somebody's <laughs> like, yeah, so and so's father died or so and so's mom passed. I, I feel like my first thought is always cancer, and then you say something else, and then I'm shocked. But like before <laughs> that moment. I expect people to say cancer. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, we're iconic. It's <laughs> um, no, but I hate that. And when I was a kid and I, that was my Zodiac sign as a kid when it was like, Oh, you're a cancer. I was so confused. It was like, yeah. wait, what? And when people would be like, Oh, he died of cancer. She died of cancer. It was like, really confusing. Cause I'm a and, Leo, but I'm really close to cancer. And so sometimes like I'm on a cut, I'm on the cusp. No, I, not the same thing. And don't try and share in my pain. Well, I definitely, I also, am you're a lion. More of a, I am definitely more of a Leo than I am a cancer for sure. You are classic. Yeah. You are classic cancer. I'm a classic Leo. And that, Shout out to all the cancers out there. We we get through it, but it's like I'd love to have like Pisces or like Virgo. Right. Um, I'd love to have something like Sagittarius. Like I love like that that whole thing. And I wish I we had an just any other word. Yeah. But we're the crab and it is what it is. So Mm. you guys heard a bit about my plight. Yeah. So um speaking of another oh. Oh, I was just gonna Oh, you didn't ask uh, oh yeah, you you were gonna ask me what movie I gave you. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to know what what movie you chose for us next week for the next week i have chosen the 1997 carl reiner joint (gasps) that old feeling whoa okay so i haven't seen it obviously and i know that it's a bette midler joint and that is the only thing i know about it absolutely a lot of people think it's a Spike Lee joint, but it's a Bette Midler joint. It's a Bette Midler um, joint. And they, they do similar things, so I, I understand the confusion, but... What um, they've both done for the culture, I think, and when they work together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll never forget it when I first saw Big Business. 
That's what it was. <laughs> that's what it's called. The Spike League directorial cut of, of the Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler film Big Business. It's called Big Business. Um, and uh, it's iconic. Yeah. See, we, yeah. Google it. Everybody. See if you can find a copy. It's sort of been buried, but we'd love to do that one, too. We'd love so. to. Un- yeah. We love to unbury it out here. But um, next week, that old feeling, Bette Midler. Unfortunately, Spike Lee is not involved in this. Not this cut. No, not this cut. Um, but thank you everybody for listening to us talk about how to deal. We had a great time. We lived, we laughed, we learned, and I hope mm-hmm. you guys did the same thing, um, with us or on your own either way. Um, never stop learning. It's just something I would like. It's just something mm-hmm. I like to say. Your little thing. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. My little thing. My work. <laughs> um, we love you. We appreciate you. If you want to continue following us, um, you know, throughout the week, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Miss. You can follow our Twitter at MWMChat. And we'll see you next week, right on time with that old feeling. Bye. 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 Speaking of nonsense. <clears throat>